0: with this tonight. I'm going to try to give you a little update on my health and uh, the financial situation here. I pretty much uh, used up all of my resources on the website. I'm still doing about 60 to 70% of support of it and I need help. My health is failing. I have a tumor in my brain, about the size of a golf ball right here at my brain stem. I had a uh, propane poisoning two years ago in September. I lost my hearing, so my hearing is very, very poor. Uh, I have eyesight problems because of that. And sometimes I have very extreme difficulty, if not impossible to read. I'm gonna try to do this tonight in the church history class that I have on class number 91. We need your help financially. We've got bills coming up. I have to go to the hospital. Uh, I'm gonna teach as much as I can. If my health is good enough with my heart and my lungs, but I've lost that 20% of my lung capacity from the propane uh, poisoning, the toxins and that, and the oxygen deprivation. But I have to be strong enough to go through a 10 hour surgery where they go in and take at least most of this tumor out so it won't press against my brain stem and kill me. If, I, if the tumor continues to grow, and even as it is right now, if something was to happen there where it ruptured blood vessels in my brain or whatever, I would be dead, period, that's it. It can start working on my breathing, my heart, and all of that. It possibly could have been caused by the propane poisoning, the toxins and that since I didn't have it before. I haven't gotten it since the two years. This tumor usually grows very slowly. So I need your prayers with that. I want to feed you as long as I possibly can. Thank you, Steve and Kathy Caldwell. Thank you, Wayne. Thank you, all of you all over the country that help. Uh, Chris and Jason. Uh, Norton and, and others out there, Nancy in uh, Pennsylvania, thank you for your faithful support and I need it badly. <laughs> thank you Tori and Brett Johnson also of the times that they've helped in doing that. I'm going to need somebody to take care of me for a month. Uh, Sharon has has volunteered to do that and to help with Marilyn also. Uh, Chris Christine said that she would come and try to take care of Marilyn. Marilyn just turned 91 years old. She does very well for her age, and I'm pushing up behind her, But uh, and I guess I'm doing okay for my age also. We are, I've tried to build a legacy for you out there in the world, for you ministers out there, and I know a lot of you have supported me in the past, and you send me letters, call me on the phone, and I hope that I've helped people all over the world. I want to leave enough of a legacy behind to uh, support this website where it does not go down. Things are getting harder and harder. The last two weeks, I've been getting mail from uh, an outfit, uh, PowWeb, telling me that I owe them 200 and something dollars for the web hosting, and And they have cut off their phone numbers, they cut off their email, so I couldn't get a hold of them. And I haven't been able to upgrade my um, web or my computers. They won't talk to me unless I have Windows 11 and I have Windows 7. I'm still able to put things up like I have, as you know, but it's not working on communicating with others. Uh, And they wouldn't do this. Well, yesterday, Randall, the webmaster, got a hold of me yesterday morning and we were on the phone with them three or four hours and they charged me $500 uh, delinquent fees. It wasn't my fault. They made themselves impossible to contact. Now the only way I can go on there is to go on the website and deal with them and text back and forth. I couldn't do that. I had to get somebody else to do it. I called them. I emailed them. Nothing, nothing, nothing. No, no response. And I have a a lawyer's fees coming up for the 501c3 to keep renewing that. Uh, We got all kinds of bills, probably 10 to $20,000 worth of bills coming up. If you can help, please help. Thank you those of you that have. Now, discontinue for your prayers for me to keep on keeping on and, and teaching what I can. I, have people tell me we don't get fed except for you feeding us. Our churches are just social events. Well, I'm gonna keep trying. There's almost fifty five hundred messages out there on sermon audio and discover the word with doctor or discover the and discover the word with Doctor Jim on YouTube. Sometimes YouTube is like this, you know, they don't like some of the things I say. Even though it's the truth, what am I going to do about it, you know? But uh, please help us keep those up. Please help us in your prayers. I need that very much. Page 334 in John T. Christians. History of the Baptist. Volume number 2. History of the Baptists, together with some accounts of their principles and practices. John T. Christian, A.M. D.D. L.L.D. Professor of Christian history in the Baptist Bible Institute in New Orleans, Louisiana. I've taught from these books for more than 50 years. As I read this, I will bring in other books that I have here, and one of them I'm going to bring in, and and by the way, I'm old enough that I knew some of these people. Everybody in this book here, in the 20th century, I knew. And this is the history of the California Southern Baptists. And by the way, if you're a missionary Baptist, well, the Southern Baptists and Missionary Baptists aren't the same, yes, they were. They were the same people at one time. The Lord's Supper, a close communion, and then open communion, you know, there's and I've said this before and some of you just don't get it. Because I see keep hearing you use the wrong terms. Close communion is what Baptists practice, not closed. Close communion is that a church, church members in that specific church, take the Lord's Supper together with no one else. Open communion is you just do whatever, and that's what a lot of Southern Baptists practice today, and even some missionary Baptists. All the Baptist churches at one time were called the first Orthodox Southern Missionary Baptist church of so-and-so city. That's the way it was. As time went on, many churches want to grow big, and when you grow real big, Uh, sometimes you have to lay down some of the rules that the Bible set down. And some of that is close communion. And uh, the alien immersion, that uh, the baptism you take is not from Church of Christ and not from Nazarene and not from uh, uh, Assembly of God or whatever, it's from real Baptist churches. Baptist succession is a fact. Not like somebody teaches also, that sometimes they go a little bit radical with that. But Baptist succession is very important in history. Now, we don't believe in papal succession because that's a fairy tale. But Baptist succession, where the authority was handed down from one church to the other over the last 2,000 years, is the fact. You cannot trace church to church to church to church all the way back. Sometimes the churches went underground for maybe 500 years. So you don't get all of that, but you know they were there, just the same. Ben Bogard once said, From the very time that God created bees, we know that they're bees. There were bees in the Garden of Eden. And there's bees today. And sometimes in some places you don't know whether these bees exist or not, but they're here. That proves that they existed all down the time. The true Baptists are still in the world today, and they existed all the way down through all the ages because of the promises of Matthew 28 18, Matthew 16 18. Matthew 16 18. You're Peter, but upon this gigantic foundation rock I shall be building my church, and the gates of hell shall not wrestle her down. A fact and a promise. Joseph Smith said that God was. Uh, was dissatisfied with all churches so he reorganized his church at least as Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints which is a lie. Jesus did not fail his church. The church did not fail him. By the grace of God, the churches are here today. I remember Herbert Armstrong said that nobody had preached the gospel for 1,800 years until he preached the gospel. That's a lie. I'd rather believe Jesus than Herbert Armstrong I'd rather believe Jesus than Charles Taze Russell or Joseph Smith or Brigham Young or Muhammad or whoever. God's churches have been built. They're here today. There have been little differences down through the ages, which I brought out a little bit. Now I want to start here on page three thirty four. We're talking about the Baptists in England. Baptists have always stood for liberty of conscience. Baptists may convert you by the preaching of the word of God, but not going to pur- 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 they're not going to convert you by putting a knife to your throat or a gun to your head. <clears throat> As we go on here now, page 90, the lesson number 91, page 334, pray that I can read and be able to do these things also because it's becoming very difficult. I know what's in the book. <laughs> I have a pretty good memory still, as some of you will say. Those would naturally, as in history of the early Christians, be attracted to a, a rising sect who were themselves unprincipled men. Lord Howard, the betrayer of the patriotic Russell, was said to have been at one period of his shifting and reckless course a Baptist preacher. These are This history is written by enemies of the Baptists now. Another Whose exact character it is difficult to ascertain, perverting as a royalist, prejudice did, even his name for the purposes of ridicule, bare bones, the Speaker of Cromwell's Parliament, is said to have been a Baptist preacher in London. Having trouble with my glasses. Others again of the body were tinged with extravagances. Some joined with other Christians in the time in the confident expectation of what uh, they termed the fifth monarchy. Christ's personal reign on earth. In the changes of the day, and they were many and wondrous, they saw the tokens of Christ's speedy approach to be found universal empire following in the train of the four great monarchies of the prophet's vision. It is the credit of Bunyan that he discerned and denounced the error. That as in all ages of the church, it was but too common for the interpreters of prophecy to become prophets. I have never, people ask me, where do you think we're in church history today? What do you think about this, the fulfilled prophecy and this and this and this and this? I said, you know what? I know what the Bible teaches. In 1981, I wrote my doctor's thesis, one, the doctor of Bible language thesis, that is, THD also. But the doctor of Bible language thesis that I wrote was on the book of Revelation. I have learned a lot since then. I never tried to say, this is the year the Lord's going to come back. I have in the last 10 years, I I have been listening to the Muslim Christian converts. That when they come out of there, they say that they believe that the Antichrist is is a Muslim religion. And in so many ways, it looks like that. Look what's going on in the world today, even though I'm not saying this is the end times. It's coming near. We know that at, uh, when the regathering of Israel and May the 14th, 1948 Israel became a nation again so we're down someplace toward the end because we're coming toward the regathering of Israel but will it happen in 100 years, 50 years, 20 years, 40 years I don't know I just know the players out there look what's going on with our own nation here the corruption that's involved in our nation tremendous corruption, the people will, will not the representatives do not represent the people they represent their philosophies and their times, and Islam is becoming very strong in this country ever since Obama it has become very strong the Bushes, the same thing the Clintons the Biden crime family that's a pitiful mess but I don't know if it's any worse than the, the Bush crime family or not we got it on both sides we got the liberals out there, and I'm not a radical either side. Some people, when I preached in the past, thought I was some kind of a left-wing person because I st- stood up for some of the principles that the de- Democrats were teaching and trying to bring about. They thought maybe I was a radical right-wing, a radical left-wing. I just preached the truth as it is. There's a lot of things that we could do better. I'm American Indian, and now today, you know, at one time, you didn't want to be Indian. My, my great-great-grandfather was the first American Indian citizen of the United States back in 1880s. He was also the first Indian marshal in Indian territory, the real Rooster Cogburn character, but he was American Indian. He was half white, but that didn't matter. He killed five white outlaws and they tried to hang him five times for killing white outlaws. The story in the courtrooms and the things, the last true grit that came out with Jeff Bridges and the Cohen boys, they called me from the uh, uh, historical site there at Fort Smith, Arkansas, and they said, those boys are reading every book about your father, your grandfather. It's gonna be a different movie than before. At one time, my my family said, Don't tell anybody you're an Indian. They moved from Indian territory to California to be mistaken for white Okies. Now, if you're a person of color, it's a wonderful thing because the white race is horrible. I'm going to tell you something. Every race has its downfalls because we're all Adamic. This is the most racist time in American history than before the Civil War that we live in today. The most divided, the most radical, the most biggest mess that I've ever had and people want to come from all over the world become part of the United States. And yet it's not a United States anymore. It's more divided than it's ever been. We live in a terrible time right now. I miss the America that I grew up in. I miss it. Others again were moved from their steadfastness of Quakerism. Now remember the Quakers and the Baptists were very much persecuted. The Quakers and the Baptists had their ears cut off. They had their noses cut off. They had their tongues cut off. They had their lips slit. All of this, they were burned alive at the stake. They were drowned because they dipped. They dipped them until they were dead. Now, let me tell you something else. Just because you're a child of God, and I've been all over the world, and I've had the Lord with me all the way, I've been indestructible until the Lord's finished with me. I'm getting to be an old man now. And the Lord has still kept me alive, and I'm still preaching what I'm preaching. And some of you say it's not coming from any place else. This is it. The church history that classes I'm telling you, uh, John Gage, they're building a seminary in in Florida, an online seminary. He said these church history classes are a gold mine. I never heard anything like it. And he'll be listening to this before long. He said this is a gold mine. You learn why you believe what you believe. Baptists, you would not have any religious liberty in the world if it wasn't for the Baptist churches. You wouldn't have any. Everyone else were church states. Sad Baptist by the Quakerism, which then commended its course while others adopted the views of the seekers. A party who denied the existence of any pure and true church and were waiting for its establishment yet to come. And this here is where you come down with your Charles Taze Russell and your Mormonism, which neither one of them got God straight. When you get God wrong, you got everything wrong. In the last class of religionism was a younger Sir Henry Bain, the illustrious patriot and statesman of a beautiful, menagerized in a sonnet of Milton and from his talents dreaded alike by Cromwell and the Stuarts, and the friend of Roger Williams, the founder of the Rhode Island, seems himself in later life to have imbibed in similar views. He was a Baptist, Roger Williams was, but more important, Dr. John Clark. Finally, Roger Williams left his church and became a seeker, but Dr. John Clark held on. The churches that were established in 1638 69 in Providence and Newport, Rhode Island were there for many years, regardless of the men but the greater of the two was Dr. John Clark. He wouldn't give up. Let's go back into history now. We had Henry the Eighth, and he had several wives. He had some of them killed and he had Elizabeth and he had Mary and uh, and he had the son. He finally had a son. And uh, the son was a king for a little while. And uh, by the way, uh, Henry the Eighth was a Catholic he was a devout Catholic, he defended the Catholic faith, but when they wouldn't, when the Pope wouldn't give him a, a leave to marry uh, little Anne Boland, he said forget it. So he confiscated all the churches in England that were Catholic. He confiscated all the wealth, he confiscated everything. He kicked all of those that wouldn't go to him and look upon him as the head of the church out. And then his, his boy ruled for a while He married her and had her beheaded that uh, Anne Bolin. And he married a long line of others. But finally we had Mary, Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary killed, he went back now, she went back to Catholicism. And she started killing all the Protestants and killing all of her own people. The Church of England. Now, finally she was she died, and Elizabeth came to the throne. And Elizabeth brought back the Church of England. The Church of England. Now they were fighting. Now, it's still in England and Ireland, you have the Protestants and the Catholics fighting today. It is politics. It has nothing to do with the religion or in all reality. It's politics. The, the Irish Catholics hate English. They hate them with a passion. The Irish Catholics hate the English. Now, Spain was the the mistress of the sea at one time. Philip the Second of Spain married Mary, and uh, he thought that they wanted to bring you know England back. Well, she died. And then after Elizabeth came to the throne, he was gonna go back over there and he was gonna take England and make it a Spanish colony basically and bring it back into the Catholic Church. Well, he sent out his Spanish Armada and uh, the weather was not with him. And then Elizabeth hired a pirate, a pirate to head the English Navy. And that man went out and he built ships that would fight in a different way than all the others. And he won. And he, they were, you know, you see all these uh, sunken Spanish ships. In Spain. One way that Spain became great: they came to America, they went down in South America, they went to Mount Potosi especially. Now we're going off on a tangent here but you've got to understand what's going on in the world while all this is happening. If you don't understand what's going on in the world while all this is happening, you don't have it. Sir Francis Drake sunk a lot of Spanish ships, but he would overtake them. Now, all the ships were high in water, and Sir Francis Drake built ships that were low, and they had cannons. There was less of them to hit, and they would pull up aside, and they would start shooting at these tall Spanish uh, ships, the Spanish galleons, and they were easy targets because they were so much of so it out of the water. Spain went down in Mount Potosi, they went different places uh, all up and down California. They built slave plantations, they called them missions. All the way from San Diego to Oregon. All the way up through there, and then after that, uh, Russia had some up higher. And anyway, uh, they were taking gold from California. They were taking gold from all over the place. They were having silver from Mount Potosi down South America. And they were enslaving Indians wherever they were. They enslaved people. Islam is a slaver and Catholicism is a slaver. And Islam is still a slaver today. And we know that. Especially sexual slaves. Down in Mount Potosi, they were they killed... I think the number was around 4 million people that they worked to get there. They were filling those Spanish ships with silver and sending them across the seas. Now you got to bring in China. China had a, a fleet of ships in 1400 that were greater than if they had 318 big ships. They had bellows in there to pump them out, they had, they had waterproof hulls, they had nails that would not rust. They had different innovations that nobody else had and they would go and look at different lands and they'd look there and there was nothing they wanted anywhere. There was nothing in those lands. They looked upon all the other nations as heathen nations and they were so backward they didn't see anything worth going in there and conquering. When the ships would come, those 319 ships it looked like, they said it looked like an island or a continent coming at them. Scared them to death. They were bigger. The other one looks like they looked like little canoes compared to these big uh, Chinese ships. And then so said, why in the world did Dr. Phillips bring this in? Because China was in terrible need of real, solid gold and silver to back their paper money and their brass coins. And so they started trading with the Spanish. And the, and the Spanish, they just kept sending people over. And even though the Sir Francis Drake was ship sinking a lot of ships. You know, they're still finding this, these gold. I should have had a piece of eight. I've got a piece of eight uh, that I got from Maryland several years ago for her birthday, and um, it goes back, I think, to the 1700s. This piece of eight. They were sending all this gold and silver, and Ch- China was buying it and trading. China. Uh, had different things. They were the ones that invented uh, spaghetti, by the way, and noodles. It wasn't it wasn't the uh, Italians. It was them. It was the Chinese. The Chinese had uh, gas piped into homes already. They had cast iron stoves. They had heaters. They, they had paper money. If you go over one province a thousand miles away and took a piece of paper money, sold your house and everything you had there, all the goods in it, you could buy it for the same amount a thousand miles or 1,500 miles away but they needed silver, they needed precious metals. So they got involved. And so they're trading and, and to get this precious metal so they can stabilize their economy. Wouldn't that give us a good idea here in America today? Ever since LBJ we went downhill. John Kennedy was gonna keep the silver standard. Silver standard was better than gold standard. You know why we got the silver standard instead of gold standard in Franklin Roosevelt's time? He called in all the gold. You know why? Because the Jewish people controlled the stock market. He told them one time, you either cooperate or I'll strike new money. Well, he did. He stroked the silver certificates. But there was silver, there was gold, and there was silver in Fort Knox to back the American dollar. But when LBJ got in there by hook and crook and killing and whatever, a coup, he got in there and he dropped the silver standard. Now your silver certificates aren't worth anything. They're not valuable anymore. So that the United States could control their own currency, not somebody else, not the World Bank or whatever. But that's gone now. It's all back going according to Hoyle, just like they wanted to do it. The uh, Chinese needed money. They needed real hard silver and gold to support their economy. So Spain was getting rich, getting rich. They could buy all the goods they wanted, whatever. Much of the goods that fed the world of Europe came from America. The American Indians had developed potatoes. They had developed corn, tomatoes. Now, by the way, potatoes and tomatoes, they are a toxic plant, but they were made to where you could eat them. They genetically developed these. There's all kinds of potatoes and tomatoes, the corn, peppers, squash. All of this came from this country here, America fed the world. Everybody else was starving to death. Even the Chinese it, it, latched on to the p- potatoes and the uh, yams. They used that a lot. The Pacific, or the uh, what m- what might call the uh, the Columbian Exchange. They brought disease here, and slavery, and American Indian fed the world all this is going on now England is in a a civil war finally Elizabeth took over the Stuarts lost and uh, you know and not Anne, but uh, Bloody Mary these things took place in Europe and the Baptists are among all these people just trying to preach the word and trying to stand for religious liberty. Why, Bloody Mary, or Mary Queen of Scots, she didn't believe in religious liberty. The Church of England really didn't. John Bunyan was in prison for preaching the gospel. Many people were in prison preaching the gospel. The reason why Baptists came to America is they could come over here, but there wasn't any religious liberty in America either. So. We see in America, we covered some periods of time in America where we saw great men like like Dr. John Clark and Roger Williams and, and Obadiah Jones and, and all all of these people that fought so so hard. For and by the way, even Abraham Lincoln was a descendant of one of the greatest Baptist preachers in America. But he wasn't. He wasn't. He didn't believe in total religious liberty. He didn't believe he believed in control of the masses and cold states states. He didn't believe in freedom of speech. Go back and study his life. Go back and study what he did in the Civil War. We've seen such corruption in the world. Corruption goes like this and then it goes down. Then it goes like this, then it goes down. In America we had the Great Awakening with George Whitfield and uh, some of the great priests of America. Over to I Alms. these men were great. But they were persecuted, they were beaten. They began to educate their people. They began to build Baptist seminaries. The founder of Rhode Island, Doctor or Doctor John and uh, Roger Williams, they faced religious persecution. The only colony in America that was founded with religious liberty was Rhode Island. Dr. John Clark and Roger Williams. Yet with all these mingled disadvantages, there are but such heresies and scandals as marked the earliest and poorest of times. Christianity, that era in our history is one of which we may turn with devout gratitude and bless God for our fathers. In literature and in honor, enough that his sentiments were held by the two great men who displayed beyond all comparison the most creative genius of the age of the English literature, Milton and Bunyan, John Bunyan, a Baptist, John Bunyan Pilgrim's Progress. In the cause of religion and political freedom, it was a lot of our community to labor, nonetheless effectively because they did it obscurely with Keech, doomed to the pillory, or like Dulane, perishing in the dungeon, the opinion as to the religious freedom and then professed by our churches were not only denounced by statesmen as rebellion, but by grave divines as the most fearful heresy. Through evil and through good report they preserved until what had clothed them with obliquely became in the hands of other later scholars the more practiced writers as Locke, a badge of honor, and a diadem of glory. Nor should it be forgotten that these views were not with them as with some others professed in the time of persecution and virtually retracted when power had been won such was this, alas, the course of names no less as illustrious than Stilling Feet and Taylor. But the day of posterity and political influence was with our churches the day of their most earnest decimation. Their share in storing up the failing liberties of England and infusing new vigor and liberality into the constitution of that country It is not yet generally acknowledged, it is a scarce even known, the dominant party in the church and in the state at the restoration became the historians. When the man, not the lion, was thus the painter, it was easy to foretell what with party of all virtues, all the talents, and all the triumphs would be found. When our principles shall have won their way to a more general acceptance and share the Baptists and the achievements of that day will be disinterred, like many other forgotten truths from the ruins of history. What I'm teaching right today, 99% of Baptists don't even know. They don't even know why they go to a Baptist church except Daddy and Grandpa was there. You ought to be a Baptist. You're not a Baptist until you're a Baptist by conviction, let's put it that way. Many Baptists going to Baptist churches, a lot of them aren't even saved. Many of them don't know what they believe at all. I hope when you listen to these classes you'll know what you believe and why you believe it. Marilyn's going to do a little skit for you here pretty soon about her profession of faith and, and what she learned going to the church history classes. I'm making her shaking her boots over there, or in her sandals, or whatever. But she will do that. Then it will be believed, be found that while dross such has been alloyed, the purest churches in the best ages may have been found in some of our denominations. Yet the body was composed of pure and scriptural Christians who contended manfully, some with bitter sufferings and the rights of its conscience and the truth as it is in Jesus that in them English liberty owes a debt it has never acknowledged England owes a debt that it has never acknowledged and that debt is to the Baptist Church and that among the Christian freedom found in its earliest and some of its staunchest, its most consistent and its most disinterested champion, had they continued ascending to the heights of political influence, it had been perhaps disastrous to their spiritual interest. Or when did the disciples of Christ long enjoy power and prosperity without some deterioration of their graces? He who, as we may be allowed to hope, loved them with an everlasting love and watched over their welfare with a sleepless care threw them back into the subsequent convulsions of the ages into the obscure lowly stations of life because in such scenes he had himself delighted to walk I haven't got a pillow to lay my head on nor a roof to lay my head under Delighted to walk in these retired paths, it has ever been his want to lead his flock, life and times of Baxter, the Christian Review. Volume eight, March 1843. Now we're gonna quit right there for right now, for this class anyway. The Baptist churches have been in, in, a, in effect since the Lord Jesus Christ called it out the seashores so of Galilee, the church didn't start on the day of Pentecost. It started at the day of seashores of Calilee, Galilee. The church was empowered on the day of Pentecost. And your Pentecostal brethren today, they don't know what in the world happened there. All it was is the unconfusion of tongues. What is practiced in charismatic churches today is a, a sort of paganism that was in existence all the way back to the the Tower of Babel, and and even to uh, the prophets of Baal on Mount Caravan in contest with Elijah. Acts 16, 16 tells a little bit about that. I hope you've learned something here in this last little class. I hope that the Lord gives me health enough to do this until I'm finished with the church history classes. I got so many things I'm teaching, church history, all the dreams and visions and hypnosis in the Bible, Bible readings, different classes that I've done, that I taught in the seminary that, you know, we never got to teach, finish all the way through the textbook. I went through all the textbooks and all the parables of the Bible and the kingdom studies. They're there for you to study and I hope you learn from them. The doctrines of the Bible, things like that. I'm even doing another class on that just a little bit to expand it better than I ever did before. God bless you. Thank you for watching. I hope that these classes bless your lives. I hope you learn from them. I hope you know what you believe and why you believe it. Our Father, we send this message out for your honoring Lord. Please use it wherever it goes. Strengthen your people. Thank you for those that love me like they have, that try to support our work, your work. All I've done is try to put things together and teaching, sound teaching, to propagate the kingdom, your kingdom. Please forgive me where I fail you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank